Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. Alrighty, welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast and a very big warm welcome to Mr. Brendan McAdams from all the way in California, the other side of the world. How are you today, Brendan? I'm, I'm good, Darren. How are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. Now, at the time of this recording, how's, we how's are... How's the winter? How's winter right there? You're in winter. Mate, I'm in summer. It is, it is cold. Having said that, uh, it's about five degrees Celsius where I am right now. And this is Wednesday morning when we're recording this, Tuesday afternoon, your time. It's about five degrees Celsius, but it looks like a summer's day. Uh, apart from the fact there's no leaves on the trees, but there's no clouds in the sky and the sun is, is beaming through. So if you're sitting in a sunroom, uh, it would be beautiful right now. I wouldn't be sitting outside though. What's it like <laughs> in California? It is, uh, it's actually kind of mild today. It's in the 70s, it's in the 80s right now, uh, which when you convert that, that would be what, in the in the 20s? In the Yeah, I think 20s, so. Because uh, I think when you get up to like 100 Fahrenheit, it's around 35, I think, yeah, something like that. That's right. yeah. So it's, it'd so. be nice and mild. So hence, you just got a polo shirt on. So no need yeah. for jumpers and stuff it's, like that. Yeah, it's, no, it's, com- it's quite comfortable. Uh, yeah, so it's lovely <laughs> and... Sunny and uh, it's kind of paradise where I am right now. So I uh, enjoy love it. Here. Love it. Love yeah. it. Hey, so thanks for jumping on the podcast. We we connected through LinkedIn and we've had a couple of conversations, but um, always like to have a have a chat with and connect with like-minded sales people, sales leaders, and um, just to give listeners a different perspective because there's always something that I know I can learn, but I'm sure there's something new that people can learn as well who are tuning into this particular episode. Uh, just for the listeners' benefit, love love for you to just give us a bit of a, a quick background on the story. That is Brendan McAdams. Okay, okay. So um, I've been in uh, sales for a long, long time. I started out in enterprise sales um, in my kind of professional career, selling to uh, AT&T Bell Labs, selling enterprise software, and then subsequent to that. Um, financial services. And then after that, I got into healthcare and I was part of uh, what became WebMD. And then, and then I did so a couple little startups after that, and then went out on my own. And I've been doing my own sales coaching and consulting uh, to health tech companies and to tech companies for the last 12, 13 years. And, and then most recently, I've been running an accelerator program here in Baltimore. Well, in Baltimore, I haven't been in California today, but in Baltimore, and, constant, and and along with that, I'm, I'm doing some other training programs and the like, and, and, and that's, that should bring you up to date. Yeah, cool, cool. So, hey, today this is, <coughs> excuse me. <laughs> um, and by the way, this is not an edited podcast. So when you hear me sneeze or cough, that is what it is. So it's just, it's, it's not real. edited, it's real. It's real. Uh, so what you get is what you hear and what you hear is what you get. <laughs> so I like to, um, I mean, these these episodes, these podcasts, uh, particularly with conversations like with yourself, are just, I, I consider them to be fireside chats. So yeah. we don't necessarily have a, a per se agenda. There's no script that we're going by. We're just going to have a conversation around, yeah. around sales. Um, 
I'm really curious, if, if we go right back, you've been in enterprise sales for a long, long time. Was there anything yep. specific that prompted you to jump into sales? Was it like, oh, I reckon I saw long long lunches being happening or there was there was the Friday afternoon golf tournament? <laughs> no, no. You know what it was? It was, uh, I really wasn't trained to do anything else. I came out of college, university with a, uh, with a, uh, a degree in English. And so I didn't have a, a marketable skill per se. And uh, the only thing that that um, people would hire me for was uh, sales. So that's, that's how I got into it, it was um, sales. And it uh, it turned out that my English degree background and kind of my, my college experience worked out very well because it, it gave me a kind of a foundation in communication and being able to write and, and communicate and 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 that actually lent itself to a, a sales career. So I'm sure that when you were doing uh, responses to tenders, your executive summaries would have been superb using the, oh, uh, was... the English language. I, well, you know what? There is something to be said for having read a lot of fiction and, and you, you, get, uh, you get a kind of a grounding in what, what's natural and what's, um, what's authentic. And what is it? And so I have a sort of a, if I have a skill at, at all, it's that I kind of know what resonates and what kind of rings true and what is fake and false. And I've been able to, for, you know, that I think if I have any kind of sales skill, it's, it's in my, I think what people find is that that authenticity is what works for me. And, and that being that literary, that, that kind of, that, college renaissance you know uh, background kind of is an is an advantage and do you that's find what i'm going with that <laughs> well obviously uh <laughs> you would have had some evidence to back that up you would have had feedback from people to say oh that's a really great proposal that's a well-written document or it's a well-written email yeah um yeah and so but often you, you're so right there's so many sales teams and, and i see this even with sales leaders that they're almost disingenuous with how they put things together. And yeah. I'm not sure about the States, but here in Australia, people's BS meters are pretty, pretty astute and they can tell yeah. from a mile off whether somebody is being authentic or not. And yeah. one of the biggest things we have in sales is, is the power of trust. And if you don't have that, you've, you've, it's, it's literally pushing the proverbial uphill. Um, yeah. what's, what's your experience since, since being out on your own doing sales coaching and, and working with sales teams and sales organizations? What's, what's been your, I guess, observation around authenticity? Because I think it's a really important topic, particularly as we build credibility in this, in this day and age. One of the things, this is kind of a funny little observation that I've had, in, and this is in the uh, very US-centric and uh, in particular, and that is that... Um, I, I, I moved from the West Coast, from California to the East Coast, and I ended up selling into New York and New Jersey. And, uh, you know, into, that's where Bell Labs was, and that's where the, you know, Wall Street. And one of the things about the, that New York metro corridor, New York City in particular, is they don't suffer people very well that, that come across as fake. I mean, you, they want you to net it out. They, they, you get immediate feedback. You know, and I found that to be a very valuable experience because... It saves me. It saves you time. It allows you to, you know, get right to the point, and and you can't afford to be inauthentic at, at some level because people will, you know, figure it out pretty quickly, and then they will help. Then they have nothing to do with you. So authenticity and 
and being straight and honest with people, I think has, has uh, was kind of a bit of a default state for me anyway. And, and so it, it really reinforced working in, in that kind of geographic environment. There's, there's just not a lot of happy talk. You move away from that area, you know, you move to Minnesota and there's this thing called Minnesota nice and you, the South has a certain genteel quality about it where they don't want yeah. to tell you what's true. And so you, they tell you things that, oh yeah, that's nice. I like what you're doing. I like, I like this pitch. This is great, but they have no intention of buying. Where in New York, they tell you right up front, you know, that, that's stupid. I'm getting, get out of here. You know, and, right? Get out of here already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it's it's a really interesting point because certainly in the work that I do with with sales teams as well is being able to adjust communication styles and, and really put the emphasis on the audience, the buyer, the psychology behind that, what makes them yeah. tick, how do they communicate. Uh, and there are so many salespeople out there that are very one-dimensional and, and yeah. we'll get into pitching as well because I'd love to talk about pitching because we had a great conversation yeah. about that last week. Um, they become one-dimensional and almost make it all about the product, thinking that the product will sell yeah. itself. And all they have to do yeah. is provide the features and benefits of the products and then the customers will fall over themselves to purchase. It's it's a completely different story. So this is like, here's one you can, we can work through uh, that's kind of fascinating to me is I, I was, I've been doing some coaching and evaluation of a sales team. And so I had to sit through a, a, a bunch of demos and, um, and, and, and listen to people present their uh, two, two customers. And this one, one of the people, one of the salespeople in particular was quite professional, you know, very methodical and so forth. And, and just knew, knew the material, you know, was on time. You just, it was like um, very, you know, just very crisp and so forth. But there was very little humanity to her. You know, she just she just was all business and mm. the customer would ask a question and she would answer the question perfunctly, you know, and, you know, professionally and perfunctly and then move on like like she was on a bomb run. And I, I, I'm curious to know how you would coach that, because the way I basically said to her is I said, you know, you, you, I think you have to double down on that. And that is you have to you have to tell people up front, hey, this is how I am. I'm just sort of quirky. This is how I operate. I tend to be very blah, 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 you know, I'm like, and just, and, and by doing so, I'd love to get your feedback on this, but by doing so, um, it would be, you know, you, you basically disarm the customer. The customer says, oh, I know how they're dealing with, and there, there's a certain humility in, in when someone can go and recognize, hey, I have this sort of quirk, I have this sort of characteristic, and I'm telling you about it because I can't, I can't, it's just the way I am. Yeah. So, and I think it it's working uh, for her. But uh, wh- how would you have done it? It's a really good question, and the the answer is um, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason I and the reason I say that is I've come from an environment where uh, we all did sales training. We went we went to we did you know Miller Hyman spin selling all these oh, yeah. different sales methodologies. Yep. Yep. And they teach they teach you the formula, and there's almost like this conditioning that comes with this that you therefore have to act in a certain way based on the formula or the sales methodology. Yep. What I say to people now is that I'm sales methodology agnostic. I don't, and I say this respectfully, I don't care what sales methodology you use. What I care right. about is how authentic you are, because what people yep. are doing is they're going to be buying from you. 
And so yeah. we need to remove ourselves from need to have to get the process right and focus on being the best version of our, ourselves we possibly can be. So if, yeah. if you've got somebody who's really quirky, my, my job, my role as a coach would be to bring out that quirkiness to use that as a competitive advantage. Yeah. Because if right. that person with that quirkiness can build a great relationship to the point where there's credibility established between the potential buyer and that salesperson, yeah. then there's a much higher probability of the sale going through. Yeah. Now, yep. in the process of doing that, the, this is where the challenge comes in because you've got sales leaders and senior, senior people within the organization saying, we must follow this process. We must do this. You must sell this feature and this benefit. And here I am coming in and saying, remove yourself from the need to have the outcome, remove yourself from the product, because here's the thing, your yep. customer doesn't want your product. What they're going to do is they're going to buy you. So if they can buy you, you could be selling anything. They're going to buy it from you, right? If there's a match, if you can right. have that conversation. So I think right. that 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 part is, is working on that person's quirkiness and bringing that out, that will be a differentiator yep. for her. And then if she's yep. starting to talk about the, the features, but but still making it consistent with what the needs are of the buyer or what the problem yep. is they're trying to solve, then she'll find that her conversion rate will go up. So that's yep. that's yep. my 10 cents worth. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, and that's kind of, that. I think that's consistent with what I my thinking as well is that I think she'll end up uh, being, she'll be certainly end up being more effective because I think there'll be more empathy from the customer, more understanding from the customer the customer will be less likely to come to some preconceived notion that this person is, oh man, they're just difficult. But instead they say, oh, this person is kind of opening up in a way and, uh, and, and giving them the benefit of the doubt as it were. And, yeah, absolutely. And, and, that, and that increases the likelihood of trust. And who knows, maybe she'll even, uh, you know, maybe she'll, it'll allow her to be, to loosen up a little bit, you know, because the pressure is off, you know, off her. Well, that's, and that's the other thing, the, the perceived pressure that's placed on a salesperson to hit a number, which yep. often comes from the one-up manager, often comes yep. from the business. Uh, and this fictitious, and I, I've always found the fictitious, uh, fake um, end of month, end of quarter number, because we've got to hit this. And if we don't, we're, we're, we're going to quote unquote fail. The yep. customer's going to buy the day after anyway. They're still going to be buying in two weeks time, two months time. So yeah. take the pressure off yourself, continue to build those authentic relationships. And if there's a match, then the, the natural consequence of that will be business will be done. Right. Um, and so from a pitching point of view, this is this is something that I've, that I've spent a lot of time in with teams and, and removing ourselves from the need to have to close the deal on at the end of the pitch, right? Absolutely, yeah. And, and making it about, and stop making it about you and your product because your customer doesn't care. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I, I, uh, I have a, I have a, uh, a chapter in, a, in my book that um, where I talk about figuring out a way, killing your deal is the way I describe it. And that is you have to go into a sale with, with the idea that at some point you have to have a conversation that tests whether or not there's a sale, whether or not there's a fit. And by doing so, it can be, it can be terrifying for the customer. I'm sorry, it can be terrifying for the salesperson because they have to Put themselves out there and say, "Hey, why won't this go through?" You know, in some way or another, they have to explore that. Uh, and 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 what that does is that tests the the commitment of the uh, and the and the understanding and the 
the engagement of the buyer of the customer and if that and, and if you do that, what you find oftentimes is the customer comes around and sits on the, you know, figuratively speaking, sits on the same side of the table with you and works through. Oh, no, no, this is not a problem. Yeah, we, we have, we're going to, this is how we're going to solve for this deal or that deal and this part of the deal. And, and so you actually help to confirm and get buy-in by figuring out what could go wrong and then, and then saying, Hey, you know, here's why I don't think this might, this might not work. And here's why. And if you do that, the, the customer is either going to agree with you, in which case you've got an obstacle that you've got to overcome, or they're going to clarify and they're going to say, no, 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 uh, this, we, this is workable. And here's why. And, and then you have a very different relationship. hundred percent. It's, it's almost like the, the push pull uh, scientific approach. So how many, and if you ask most people in the world what they consider, how they consider salespeople, what's the first thing that comes to their mind? They'll think in many cases, certainly over in Australia, you know, pushy, right? Get, get, a, mm-hmm. get a product in the hands of a, of a person or an organization, irrespective of whether they need it or not, right? right? Some of the best salespeople that I've worked with are ones that have this uncanny ability to do what you've just described, qualify yeah. the customer, but make the customer earn the right to take the product or the service. So they literally take it away from the customer and have the customer move towards it because they want to purchase the product. Because if they, they can't contemplate what their business would look like if they didn't have this. And so the balance of power now sits in the hands of the, of the salesperson and the salesperson doesn't have to start pushing. They don't have to do the the assumptive close or the five point close, whatever the case is. Right. They, they, they just, they, they just sit there and the customer comes to them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it, yeah, that's exactly right. And it's, yeah, that's a, a good way to explain it. Cool. So um, tell us a little bit about the, the accelerator program that you're, you're into. So this is, this is for a lot of startups. Is that right? Yeah. For, for early stage startups um, in Baltimore, it's the, it's the oldest active, it's the longest running accelerator program in Baltimore or in the region, really, I think. And um and what we do is uh, we select uh, five companies. And they run through a three-month uh, program. Uh, there's it's it, there's training every week. There's a there's a collaboration. Uh, where there's mentors that we uh, organize, and there's funding. They get fifty thousand dollars in a in a convertible note, and uh, and then there's a you know a big finish at the end. And so you know a big kind of celebration event at the end with investors and, and other uh, potential customers and the like. And uh, I ran it for the first time last year and um, right, well, actually finished up this last April and I'll be doing it again this, uh, this fall. So um, um, it's been, it's been really fun and interesting because it's a very different kind of dynamic and, uh, and, and it's broader than sales. There's a, I, I've, since I've adopted it, I've taken on the, as a kind of a focus that sales is a focus and a priority for the, for the program. So it's a, it's an integral part of the curriculum. Yeah. And, um, but, but it, it's broader than that there. I bring in folks from marketing. I bring in folks from a technology standpoint to talk about a platform and, and that sort of thing. And, and then there's a HR accounting legal kind of a session. Yeah. It's been, it's been really good. And it's been very interesting for me because I, I get to, I get to meet a lot of interesting companies. We had 110 companies apply to, for five slots. 
Okay. I was going to ask you yeah, what's yeah. the what's the qualification process because that would be, almost be a, like a sales process in itself. It is, yeah. And and there, I guess that's one of the interesting takeaways that uh, from the application process that was particularly fascinating to me was that um, that of the 110 that applied, we were looking for companies in the Baltimore area. They had to be of a certain size, you know. If they're, if, you know, it had to, it, they had to be a technology company, a technology kind of platform, as opposed to you. Could, it couldn't be like a dry cleaner or a, a deli or something like that. It had to be a, yeah. a technology-based business, and um, and it had to be able to make uh, meaningful progress or make meaningful use of fifty thousand dollars. Like a, a biotech company would not be valid because that you know fifty thousand is a rounding error to them. And, you know, um, and so it had to be a company of a certain size that 50,000 was a good, uh, a good amount of revenue for, to, or a good amount of investment to uh, launch them yep. or at least get going. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess one of the, one of the interesting or a couple of the interesting takeaways from the application, just from the application process, and this, this lends itself to sales as well, is the applications were oftentimes incredibly wordy and long, much longer than they needed to be. And, um, and there, there's a very strong argument for less is more. And when you're, and this is true in sales as well, is get to the point and, and tell people what it is you do and then, and then shut up and let them respond to that. Whereas, and in the application process, that's also true. Was in, in a number of cases, among the 110 that applied, easily 30 or 40 of them you probably couldn't have you, you you could you couldn't discern what they do because there was just so much volume in there in the application just so much so much detail wow uh, and, and and a kind of a corollary to that was of the we we went through an evaluation process or, or kind of a, a vetting process and we got down to 15 finalists and we asked those 15 finalists to to record a a five minute video and then we would do a five minute q a with them and each of them had to do a, a little pitch a little explanation of who they were and of the 15 easily six or seven of them did not really effectively explain who it was they are what it was that they did and what the benefit was to the customer and that that was fascinating to me because it, it just goes to show you, and this is one of the things that I fo focus on is I focus on early stage founders or early stage companies. And I help them with sales because I think founders and early stage companies need to sell. And oftentimes the people doing the selling are the technical founders that they don't have a lot of sales background. And, yeah. and this became really obvious during the accelerator program you know, during the application process, there's a lot of smart founders and they have very interesting little companies, but they don't have, they're really not equipped to, um, to educate and to communicate what, what the value is. And so, so I think that was one of the things that I think was really fascinating. And so we, we spent a lot of time in the accelerator and, and subsequent to that, I've run a couple courses, a couple training sessions, and we're running another one in September where we're actually teaching people how to do a pitch how to do a pitch, how to, how to communicate something very quickly in two, three minutes. So that that's compelling. And that's yeah. a very useful skill. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. And it kind of makes you wonder of, of those 110, when you had 30 or 40 that couldn't articulate what it was, if you, 
you being a person running the the accelerator program, yeah. right? Yeah. Who would be pretty yeah. astute and be able to look through that and and probably get a a, a deduction as to what they're trying to say. Imagine yeah. their marketplace though, looking at what it is that they do, and these organisations continuing to to follow the same sort of tactics or strategies, they're not yeah. going to get the result. No, no, exactly right. And they're just they're just spinning. And and the funny thing is is, um, and this is true that this pitch class that we would we would do is that we sit down with these uh, these start these founders, and they do a pitch at the start, and then we work with them for the next two and a half hours, and it's remarkable the difference if once they have a chance to, you know, go through the pitch a few times and get some critique and get feedback and get and and have a structure. Uh, to to draw on, and by the end, they're you know two and a half hours later, they, they, they're the crispness, the compelling nature of the of their talk is just is ten x what it was when they start the course, you know the session. <laughs> Quite rewarding, really. <laughs> and and you sit back there thinking, I just give myself a little bit of a pat on the back because that is just that is exactly what you want. But it is yeah. it's, it's a level of satisfaction, right? That you you can take somebody who who knows so much about their own products. And you can translate yeah. this into enterprise sales and anybody selling a product or a service. Yeah. Yeah. You've got so much information that you just want to, in most cases, want to get out and share with your customer. Yeah. But you've got to actually hold back on sharing too much and just share yeah. what the customer needs because I'll give you feedback on that. And how many times, yeah. and I know I've done this, <clears throat> how many times have we actually closed the deal but continue to talk after closing the deal to the point where we start to unravel the deal we've just done because we're trying, oh, I forgot to tell you this. Oh, and this is what else you get. Yeah. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's oftentimes one or two there, you know, if, if you're selling to a customer, there are, they have one or two key things. There are one or two, three key things that matter to them and everything else is, is noise it's a distraction it's or it's 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 extra yep. and yep. um you know and and that's that's um and that's true that in the pitch is like getting them to to focus on the one or the two the, the simplest things and and one of the things that uh founders often do is because they've been living with their their baby their their idea for so long that they have a sort of a shorthand they they just assume that you know what it is that they know because they've been living it for so long. So it's just assumptive. <clears throat> and oftentimes you have to spell it out in very simple, you know, um, you know, uh, very fundamental basic terms. And that's, yeah. that's really what your audience is looking for in most cases, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And you've got to almost assume that your audience knows nothing about what it is that you're talking about. Um, yeah. Um, and not using the acronyms, not using, as you say, the shorthand that perhaps you're used to doing within your own ecosystem. Just assume yeah. that people know nothing and, and how do you educate them to the point where they can then make an educated, in this case, a buying decision that's, right. that's a relevant one for them. Yeah. So from the, from the, the work you're, there, you're do, doing there for with, with those guys, um, there's obviously a lot of topics that you cover, but... Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I guess we're, we're honing in on the pitching stuff because I, I believe that the pitching parties can make or break a deal. Um, yeah. 
what do you see out of out of the accelerator program when these guys can articulate a message really really succinctly what do you then find once they uh, graduate from the accelerator program what what happens then what what do they find in terms of the results that they they get or is it too early to tell well it's it's well i it's it's some it's i can i can see the trajectory uh, it's still the some of the results are just just now kind of started to trickle in it's been a few months but but i'm seeing real traction in the sense that they're a they're much more inclined to go out and talk to customers so um as opposed to sit back and continue to build and and like wait until wait until later oh the when the product's completely finished then they'll then they'll uh, go out and talk to customers and now they're not doing that which is a huge win uh for them because because it, it allows them to have a lot more discovery sorts of conversations so they can learn more. And that takes a lot of the pressure off of them because you know, I basically encourage them to don't think of it as a sales call. Think of it as a conversation, a chat, to find out more, to learn more, and, and, then, and then maintain that relationship so you can circle back to them in a month or you know, six weeks when there's some new feature that you want to or some new thing or some new update that you can update them on the product. And, um, and at some point the customer's going to say, well, I, you know, I need this, I'm ready to go. I let's, you know, and so, so you've taken the pressure off them in terms of selling uh, or, or they, or they've had enough conversations. They know that when they get in the discovery process to a certain point, they go, oh, this is a good fit. And the, like to your point earlier is that the customer basically knows that they want to buy. And they communicate that they want to buy. Let's let's get started, and and so you know it, it really does make them a lot more confident and give them a much more um, the, a, a much more sales positive mindset, if you will. Mm -hmm. They don't think of sales as manipulative or sleazy anymore. They think of it in terms of, oh, this is how I get better at developing my product. And if I develop my product better, it becomes easier to sell. And, and by having these conversations that are not sales conversations, they're just conversation, they're discovery calls, I'm getting a better product. And, I'm, yeah. and over the long haul, I'm saving myself a whole lot of time and misery. Absolutely. Because if they're, if they're, building, a, if, if they're building a certain feature mm. and they have a dozen conversations with customers and none of them show any interest in that feature, they can save themselves all the energy building that thing that that either just costs them money for nothing or might even, in fact, take them in the wrong direction. 100%. So what I hear... <coughs> excuse me. It's another cough. <laughs> what I hear there, Brennan, is uh, clarity is king. So if we, can, if we can be really clear... And it goes back yeah. to what you're talking about before in terms of the sales, the salesperson who was... Um, becoming more authentic and a bit quirky. If if yeah. we can get really clear on what yeah. we stand for, what our what our what our key benefits or or features might be in this case, but what problems we actually solve, then it makes yeah. it a lot easier for your potential buyer to also get clarity as well. And when there is clarity, there's more yeah. likely a decision to be made because a confused mind will very rarely if ever buy. And right. If you look right. at the, the number of people out there that, that confuse the marketplace simply because they're not clear and articulate about what it is that they bring to in terms of value to the marketplace, no wonder people don't buy. Right, right. Because if, if you don't have clarity, 
and instead you have confusion, you know, the, the, you know, right there with it is risk, right? Like if I don't know what's going on, if I'm uncertain, then, then that, that telegraphs to me risk and, a, mm-hmm. and, 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 uh, and an unclear behavior change, because I, I think of sales as, as a is behavior change. You know, you have to, you have to get some, someone has to want to do something different than they're doing today. And, and people always talk about the, you know, what's the pain and, and the, the, that pain is an important ingredient. That's the, that's the, the driver. How bad is the pain? But it's, it's the pain is, is going to be there and they're suffering it now. What, what, what's going to be, what's going to be uh, enough to get them to do something different? Because because what sales really is is causing someone to do something different than they are today, and 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 the way you do that is you is you're able to communicate how that different is both better and also um, it addresses the effort necessary to make that change to 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 go to that new place to do something differently and maybe that's just writing a check for more money or maybe it's like a whole complex implementation process. And that's that's precarious and has a whole bunch of uh, variables in it that that could go wrong. And if that's the case, you have to address all that because that's the behavior change that has to take place in order to get to that to to get the value out of what it is that you're solving for them. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely right. Love it. So as we look to 2022, and we're we're in the second half of 2022. Um, from your yep. perspective on the work that you're doing. Uh, in the states, what do you think yep. uh, the biggest challenges are for salespeople, and whether it be the founders in the accelerator program or in the enterprise sales space, what do you think the biggest challenges are that people are facing in 2022 as we move into the second half of the year? Oh, wow, this this is a great question because I think um, I'm I'm quite I'm quite concerned about the economy. And what that means for for early stage founders, um, the we're already seeing a rather significant um, tightening in terms of venture capital. Venture capital was just nuts a, a year ago, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, just anything with the funding, and that is that is compressing uh, because because the work that I do and with this the accelerator program and, and this other stuff that I'm doing in the incubator space. I'm kind of very close to the what VCs are doing, not, not to mention the stuff that's in the press. So I'm I'm quite concerned about where the economy is going for over the next 6, 12, 18 months. And, and that's going to put a much greater emphasis on effective sales execution, I think. Mm. And so that's the one of the messages I'm making clear to people is that this is an this is a time to to um become more effective at sales so that you can bootstrap longer, that you can uh, you know, generate revenue directly from customers as opposed to hope that you'll get uh, VC f- funding that will, that will give you more runway. Um, you know, that, I think that's, the, that's one of the big things from, from me, from my perspective. How about you? Yeah, I think same. And, and we, our Reserve Bank in Australia yesterday increased interest rates for the third month in a row so that's that's putting yeah. a lot of pressure and, and we've had probably the same as the states we've had record low interest rates for years now 
but yeah. because inflation is now starting to take off, uh, the Reserve Bank has yeah. to come in and, and start to, you know, tighten the fiscal approach to, to this, which is going to put pressure on uh, organisations to curb their spending, which means that organisations yeah. that are looking to expand their, their revenue streams are going to have to look for more effective ways to sell, uh, which means yeah. it's, it's going to be harder to sell. Now, we always, always, and I always use the, the real estate analogy that in the, in the boom times where everybody's buying real estate, being a real estate agent is pretty easy, right? Um, yeah. Because there's so, such, a, such a supply and the demand is there and it's all good. But when, when the screws are starting to be tightened, it's when the really good real estate agents will rise to the top because they're the ones that are actually yeah. doing the fundamentals really well. And I think that's the yeah. same the same thing with with all salespeople in in 2022 and and moving into 2023 is we've got to get really good at the sales game and that is it's not about pushing your product it's about building those relationships being authentic and being really good strategic problem solvers because you know the 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 fiscal constraints are affecting everybody and your customers are going to be equally affected by that as well, which means we have to be smarter in how we address yeah. their problems and smarter in the solutions that we provide. We can't just go in there with price and we certainly can't go in there with with features and benefits. It's simply not going to work. Right. Agreed. Um, I'm, I'm fascinated by the other component is I'm fascinated by this whole remote. Um, and I've been remote for decades now. And and so it's this is not new to me. And uh, selling via Zoom and, and, and Skype have not been new to me. I've been doing it for years. There's a, again, that's a chapter in my book about the importance of using video. Yep. And so, but but I think there, there's just we're seeing a lot more of it, and and it's not going to go away. And I think that I think that uh, for salespeople, I think it's I think it's a a, a good a really good thing. Um, and um, and I don't think it's going away. I don't, I, there's, in fact, I'm certain it's not going away. And that is, is so become, I think salespeople have to continue to get better and better with some of these new tools that are, um, that are out there and, and be effective with them and, and, uh, and professionals. So the, the setting I'm traveling to, so, you know, but uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm uh, I, this is not my normal setting, but, but I, it's, you know, conveying the right professionalism in this, new remote world, I think is going to be uh, critically important. Absolutely. And, and what it means though, in this, in this virtual world is effectively the market can become bigger and oh, we, we now have the opportunity to be more effective and more efficient yep. in how we use yep. our time. Uh, Cause you know, as a, as a sales rep back in the day, it's uh, you do a lot of traveling, a lot of driving. And uh, now you just jump on a zoom call and um, finish the zoom call and jump on another one without traveling it's it's actually really effective really effective absolutely yeah absolutely yeah i've got i've got customers in the uk and and paris and i've got um uh i've got a customer in uh, argentina it's so it's it's yeah we're not we, we're not constrained anymore you know no no and it really uh, is the uh, global economy yeah yeah which and and the, 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 you know that goes back to having a, a bit of a you know you can have a niche, you can have a uh, you can be in, in a niche or a niche I guess, and uh, but it's nowadays with with these two tools like Zoom and and uh, and the like that niche can be quite large 
okay. if you're willing to expand outside the U.S. or outside your own country for that matter. Absolutely. And I've even found that as well, just doing, you know, workshops and stuff, you know, up until March 2020, I think 99.9% .9 of my workshops and facilitations would have been face-to-face. -face. That flipped yeah. on its head to the point where 2020 yeah. and 2021, it was 99% on Zoom, right? Now we're starting to get back yeah. to more face-to-face because -face companies are now more comfortable yeah. doing that, but there's still a lot of organizations that find it, you know, it's pretty easy to get a group of people from different states, in some cases, different yeah. countries, rather than incur yep. the cost of flying them in, let's just come in via yeah. Zoom and, and create as much as we can the same experience for them. So our our marketplace is is expanding. Um, and yeah. but the sales, the still the sales, the sales techniques and the sales methodology still need to be uh, approached and taken on board. And that is don't make it about your product, be authentic, find out what the problem is yeah. and pitch accordingly. Um, but not making yeah. it about not making it about you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. That is one so, of things in the pitch is that in the pitching in the pitching uh, 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 seminar workshop that we do, um, it's it's not about you. That's one of the key messages. It's not about you. It's about them. It's always about them. You know what's the message? Whatever you're pitching, whatever you're talking about, it's about them. How does it apply to them? And uh, and by the end of two and a half hours, they get it. Because like, the message has to be drummed in about 451 they, times, they, but eventually it don't gets say they, Don't say they, don't say <laughs> I, say you, right? Say you, you know? That's right? it. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> hey, the other thing I wanted to touch on as well is you have a podcast as well, the, uh, the Let's Chat Sales yeah. podcast. So tell us a little bit about that. What's the, what's the background to that? Oh, that's quite, uh, that's a good, that's a great question because uh, for me, the podcast thing uh, is, is I did it as a bit of a thought experiment and, and it was a way for me to, to uh, kind of work out certain sales, you know, discuss certain sales uh, and kind of startup issues in an environment that was dynamic. And so I, I do it with a, a, a sidekick, my, my buddy, Bob. And we just, we chat about, uh, you know, we try and take one topic specific to sales. And then we, we kind of dive into it for eight to 12, 15 minutes at the most. Yeah. Because, because that's, that's consumable by your average busy salesperson, number one, or founder. Um, and it's a, you know, you can usually, we can usually come up with two or three clever little observations that are actionable. And um, yeah, so I've been doing it for now 54, 55 episodes, not as many as you have, of course, but <laughs> you, you're tireless, right? Tireless. But, but um, where are you, what are you, you're up to 400 or something? Uh, this, this episode today that you're on, it'll be uh, episode 458. Wow. Yeah, so I'm. I only have fifty some. I do. I we put out. Uh, we fifty four, fifty five. We po I post uh, once to twice. One once and twice a week. Yeah, and we do it on yeah. video as well, and just as a as a hoot. And uh, yeah, and it's been quite good. I mean, I really enjoy it. I get a lot of feedback, and then you know, I I, I incorporate sometimes into like my little newsletter and and uh, and uh, yeah, it's it's been it's been fun. Awesome, yeah. awesome. So I'll. Uh... I've checked out a couple of episodes and I'll have to keep listening to them. So um, keep, keep up the good work. Oh, thank you. They're, they're fun. They're, they're very, they're, we goof around and, 
and uh, it's very extemporaneous. And uh, <laughs> we try to keep to one to topic, you know, like yeah. one topic, like, you know, what, what well, last week it was uh, things you shouldn't do in a sales call, you know, like, so one of them was what was, what was like one that was particularly notable was, uh, uh, oh, don't stand in the, don't sit in the lobby. Don't sit in the lobby. Don't sit. When you're in the lobby waiting for your customer, this is in the real world now. This is not a Zoom call, but don't yeah. sit, stand, like wait. Yeah. Like if you, you can look at your phone or whatever, but don't sit down. Don't sit in the conference room before, you know when they dump you in the conference room? at the yeah. Like you've got, you've got a meeting and they put you in a conference. Don't sit. Don't sit until they sit. Don't sit. Yeah. So it just, it, it, there's a certain dynamic. It's just, that was one of the things that people said, oh, that's kind of interesting. I didn't thought of that. That's pretty interesting, you know? But it's it does it it conveys a certain I'm busy uh, I'm 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 if you're sitting it's sort of I don't know it, it's a weird thing but it it's sort yeah, of it's like I'm comfortable I've got nowhere else to be I'll just wait for you versus standing up yeah hey, I do have a sense of urgency let's get going right yeah yeah but it could also be yeah. in the conference room in particular it could also be you know what I'm going to wait for my customers to sit down. And then I'm yep. going to sit down where I want to sit down, not where they've, where they've put me. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. That's exactly right. Because if you sit down and you park yourself somewhere and they park themselves on the other side of the table, now you're far apart and whatever. And, and, and uh, you know, so, so that's just a don't do that. So don't sit. Awesome. Love it. And also make sure you're sitting, uh, getting your customer sitting on your right-hand side because I always like to have the right-hand man. So it's going to be a lot easier to influence somebody if they're on your right-hand side. Well, that's good. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> I, now, I, I'm very casual that way. So I, like, I'm very, like, like I, I don't like slides. Like I will try, for, I will try like crazy not to use slides in a meeting. Yeah. And, uh, and, 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 uh, and usually to great effect. And it's partly because people are so used to slides, they think it's really quite unique when you don't use them. So I don't, I try to not, if I use slides at all, it's, it's only to illustrate something specifically complex that, that benefits from having a, a photo or a, an yeah. image, like a yeah. workflow document or something like that. Absolutely. It's a great point yeah. because one of the things before I left corporate, um, I was working with enterprise sales teams on their account plans and the presentations of those account plans to not just their external key customer stakeholders, but the internal customer stakeholders, internal stakeholders. And I was fascinated by the number of executive directors and vice presidents who were asking for a copy of the presentation before they went to the presentation. And I said yeah. to the sales teams, under no circumstances do we give them anything. You yeah. do not give them the presentation because here's the thing, your presentation should make no sense if you just gave it to them to look at, right? It's only contextual because it will support your presentation or supporting your pitch because it's a visual aid that's there to accompany what you're there to talk about. It is not right. the it is not the content, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And for many people, that was a complete culture shock. So hang on. The way, the way that this business works is you've got to have a slide deck about two inches thick to give to somebody before you actually pitch because they need to do the pre-work or the pre-reading. Yeah. 
No. 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 I agree. I totally. I no, no, totally. No. Yeah. <laughs> I. I'm the same. Way. Yeah. I like. I have a slide. A slide deck. If I use slides for any reason, I really. If it's a large enough group, I feel like I have to have something up there on the screen, or I, or they're worried. But I don't use it very much, and it's very. It's very um, sparse. And then I'll send, uh, and then I have another version of it that's got it all written out. That's quite wordy, and it's almost like a it's almost like a word document. But they don't get that until after the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And that way, absolutely. I have a chance to correct it. I can correct it, and I can read the room before yeah. I before I can I can talk to a point and 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 talk, and because I will have even done some discovery in the course of the conversation, in course of the presentation, I will have a feel for who's in the room and what's important to them. And so that's what I can emphasize. And then when I send them the written version of the presentation, it emphasizes the things we talked about in the meeting, as opposed Absolutely. to some extraneous, to your point, that thing about telling them too much, and now, now you're confusing them with all these other features that don't matter. They're not yep. in the slides because I, I wrote them out. Yep, 100%, 100%. So some great, some great tidbits today. Um, love this conversation. You mentioned, you mentioned also before, Brandon, you've got a book. Where can, uh, yeah. where, well, a couple of things. Where can people get access to the book? But also more importantly, how can people who listen to this connect with you? What's the best place so, to get access to you? So you can reach me at brendan at brendanmcadams.com. That's my link tree kind of a thing. That's the easiest way, B-R-E-N-D-A-N at brendanmcadams.com and and uh i my website is kinetics.com k-i-i-n-e-t-i-c-s.com uh and the link will get you there and then um and then follow me on linkedin of course yep. or connect with me on linkedin and i'm on brendan mcadams at twitter and then lastly the book is um uh, uh uh the 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 uh, not lastly the podcast is let's chat sales and so at hello at let's chat sales is my email there so you can reach me at that. And then, um, and then uh, the book you can find on Amazon, it's called Salescraft. Salescraft. And, uh, and, it's, and it's specifically sales fundamentals from my X number, X number of decades selling into enterprise accounts. And it's just, it, it was a bucket list item for me because I was, I was collecting these little tips and ideas and thoughts, you know, about how to, you know, things in sales that don't oftentimes show up in, in sales, in sales books. And so I collected a whole bunch of them there. And so it's really a book of sales fundamentals. And, uh, and, and uh, it was kind of a bit of a labor of love. And, and uh, you know, so I did that a few years ago. I am writing another book and this one is because um, it's about the sales, the sales kind of methodology that I use for founders and early stage startups. So I'm, I'm, because I'm doing so much training and, and work with these early stage companies, I'm writing a book to kind of augment that effort. Nice. So there'll be another book coming out before the year is out. Awesome, awesome, sounds great. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll put all these in the, in the show notes. So um, great, to, great to chat. Thanks for, um, thanks for coming on the podcast. It's been a phenomenal conversation and I reckon I've taken notes and I reckon there's a lot of, uh, as you say, tidbits for salespeople, but also sales leaders to take away and implement, um, implement in their own in their own business. If there was one key message to leave a listener with, uh, whether that be 
a new to sales leadership type person or somebody who's just looking to make a, a slight change in the way they go about it. Uh, and that might be a difficult question, but if, there, if there's one final tidbit that you want to leave yeah. us with, what would that be? Uh, I guess it would be that I think the most important part of the sales process is the discover is, is client discovery. And that is the up. Those are the conversations at the start. And, um, and I, you've made this point as well as don't focus on the sale, focus on the customer, focus on the problem. And I think if you, if you, you, it's a difficult, it's a difficult mindset to get into, but once you get out of the notion that you have to sell, that you should sell something, that that's the end goal, then it becomes quite liberating for you. Mm. And the likelihood that you're going to sell goes up dramatically and it saves you a lot of time. So I think those, think of selling not so much about, about the sale, but rather the conversation that, that gets you to understand whether or not there's a fit. I don't know if that, that, that that's, that's where I think, that's where I think a lot of things uh, either excel or fail in that part of the conversation, in that part of the process. If you get that right, the rest of it becomes quite easy. It does. Relatively um, speaking, yeah. Absolutely. And in other words, I mean, you've got to have a product to sell. You've got to have a service to sell. You've got to believe in that. But take the pressure off the need to actually have to sell it because it means that you're not, no longer going to be retrofitting to suit every live customer, you're now going to be having a conversation yep. to say, well, does this customer qualify? Do they have a problem that I might be able to solve? And if they don't, hey, we're just going to have a conversation. If they do, then maybe I'll share parts of this that might fit that, but I'm not going to necessarily share the whole thing. Right. Exactly right. Yep. Love it. Hey, Brennan, this has been a phenomenal conversation. Thank you again for jumping onto the podcast and uh, how we're going to have to do this again. Yes, uh, Darren, I appreciate it. And I'll have, we'll have to have you on uh, Let's Chat sales too and uh, i love your episodes they're great and uh and uh keep it up 450 some that's amazing <laughs> well, this is 458 um and uh yeah they're not as they're normally not as long as this one but all the interviews are normally about 50 45 to 50 minutes so um thanks again my friend and we'll uh we'll talk soon all right very good thank you darren yes. bye-bye Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.